I went to law school with him. Mm -hmm. He's been a, a person of grievance for as long as I've known him. Resentment, grievance, anger. That's Hillary Clinton calling a black man an angry grievance monger. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Makes me uh, feel, I try not to use the word proud anymore. God abhors human pride. I feel happy and secure and confident telling you that Soda Weight Loss, S-O-T-A weightloss.com, is a partner of ours in helping people drop unwanted fat from their body. And as we go through today's program, I have a real challenge for us, real challenge for all of us. And it just came over me. Just as I began the program, I thought there's so much material here that is so utterly disturbing. And it's a really heavy topic because I just, I look at everything the party does. And if you're new to the podcast, A, welcome. And B, you might not be familiar with the phrase, the party. Um, this is, I began to use this a couple of years ago when I was in radio and have explained it before when I had the great opportunity over a period of eight years or so to fill in for uh, Rush Limbaugh, God rest him. The party is, um, it's, some people would think of it as the deep state, but the deep state doesn't have a large enough focus. Okay, so the party is tech and finance, academia, the media, Hollywood included in that, uh, and then the deep state actors that we're familiar with. Although you have to extend from that, the FBI and the CDC and the, the, the FDA, they're all together in that with the World Economic Forum. And the media's role in this is to repeat and amplify without a hint of skepticism the words of the party. And the party's role is to create behavioral kill shoots for us to be under control. And it's not a Republican or Democrat thing. There's still areas where they disagree, you know, for abortion. But that's a very useful topic uh, for, for dividing and conquering or, or, you know, Second Amendment. Very useful topic. And there are people in D.C. who are true believers on those fronts. That's, that's fact. But as I started to think about the party, there's not an area in which they move or that they're sponsoring or pushing that is not in opposition to God. And this is becoming more and more clear to me the further I become discipled. And the more I put God at the center of things, the more I look at their stuff, I say, oh, it is just remarkable. Everything they do is in, a, uh, in opposition to God. And that's a really satisfying thought that, okay, so we're the ones on God's side. Well, we want to be. But here's a crazy thing. Truly crazy. As I began recording this, I thought, why am I feeling love in my heart? I mean, I should be feeling anger, and I am angry at what the party's doing to our country. I, I, I am angry at what they're allowed to get away with. But why am I feeling love in my heart? It's insane. Why would I feel that? And, and why would I want to speak 
about love when I'm getting ready to talk about things in opposition to God. And here's the great thing that I just feel just revealed to say. But man, it's a huge challenge. We'll get to the full clip of this in the podcast, but this is what I feel called to play for you. And then just a reminder, because it just came over me. As I played this, it just convicted me. This is Hillary Clinton. She's on TV with Oprah's best friend, whose name I can't recall, Gail King. Gail King. And they're talking here, or Hillary is, about Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. I went to law school with him. Mm -hmm. He's been a person of grievance for as long as I've known him. Resentment, grievance, anger. Now, we'll get to the larger clip. And yeah, I mean, uh, on a different day, I could have an enormous amount of fun uh, thinking about Hillary Clinton calling another person angry or another person (laughs) a grievance monger, particularly Clarence Thomas, who has spoken in public countless times as, as only once come off as angry that I've seen. And that was when he was accused of basically being a wannabe rapist. But grievance monger? Wow. That doesn't sound like the Clarence Thomas, at least in public. Here's the crazy thing. Ready? God loves her. God loves her as much as he loves you. God loves her as much as he loves any of us. God would like to see her repent. God would like to see her back in the family. And that's why this matters, this topic. Because the Lord is, I think, my observation, I don't have biblical support for this other than than biblical history, that sometimes God allows countries to split apart. I mean, think of the tribes of Israel. There were times where Judah was being very adherent to the Lord and following his commandments and Israel was not. And of the 12 tribes, it, it always, it sometimes varied as to which tribe was being most sincere and active and actually living as adherence to, to the Lord, to the Ten Commandments and to the uh, Mosaic laws. And it's axiomatic of the Lord to let nations go through this, portions of nations. So on one hand, I think the Lord is allowing this, and I, I describe it as the easiest pass-fail test in history. So why does it matter? If we do our thing and, and, and we do what we can to be discipled, Christ needers, and uh, to help disciple others and to live like people who believe in Jesus as our Savior. Because remember, the demons believe in him and they shudder. See, it, it, and, and the other side doesn't. Why does it matter? Well, on a non-selfish basis, which is how we're called to view the world, it matters because these are souls. We are asked to go and make disciples, not church attenders, not people who believe in Jesus, but disciples. That's what we're asked to do in the Great Commission. So it matters on that front, that Great Commission front. On a selfish front, it matters because these ideas are very, very seductive ideas. Because Satan can't build or create. He has no imagination. He cannot love. He can only distort and hate and seduce. And twist, that's what he does. So the ideas parroted and trumpeted by the party, they're seductive ideas. You know that song, Sweet Emotion by Aerosmith? Have you ever listened to that recently? I've decided to let the secular songs roll back into my playlist because it really gets me to thinking. 
I'm thinking about that song and the celebration. Uh, it's, it's a celebration of the flesh is what it is. That's what it is. It's a celebration of sex and drugs. And I mean, that's rock and roll, but it's also just a celebration of unbridled emotion without thoughts. It's animalistic. And it used to be one of my favorite songs. I mean, in terms of a rock song, it's still a great rock song, but the message. Well, that's why this all matters. And what a thing that God loves Hillary Clinton as much as he loves us. And before we get too high and mighty, there's a lot of people who can look at us There's a lot of people far more developed spiritually who can look at us and have to remind themselves, oh, that's right. God loves that Herman clown as much as he loves me. You know, the screw tape letters is filled with equations like that. That's just preface to this. And I want to start this way with Cassidy Hutchison. She was testifying in front of Nancy Pelosi's uh, committee that, um, that Liz Cheney runs with her dear, dear friend, Nancy Pelosi. It is a full-on party activity. It's a McConnell-sponsored activity. It is a ban Trump forever activity. It is a kill America first activity politically. Um, that's what it is. And there's no balance. They have no interest in balance. They're not going to have any exculpatory evidence. They're not going to explore the FBI's role in fostering this and bring it about and and open the Capitol Police opening the doors. They're not going to do any of that. That doesn't matter to them. So they have Cassidy Hutchinson, who is a young woman who worked in the White House. And she's testifying here. It's important to remember that she's testifying about things that that she says happened. She was told happened. She wasn't there. But for the purposes of this discussion, let's just assume this is all true. And I'm already talking to people who say, hey, 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 if you know how the beast works, and by the way, let's, can we stop calling the car that drives the president of the United States around the beast? Just a suggestion, probably not the best name. But there's people who have had a lot of time around that limousine that they call the beast um, who says that this is physically impossible. That the, that the president did something here in, in regard to the steering wheel that you're here. Um, but let's all of us just pretend this is absolutely true, dot, dot, dot. When I returned to the White House, I walked upstairs towards the chief of staff's office, and I noticed Mr. Renato lingering outside of the office. Once we had made eye contact, he quickly waved me to go into his office, which was just across the hall from mine. When I went in, he shut the door, and I noticed Bobby Angle, who is the head of Mr. Trump's security detail, sitting in a chair, just looking somewhat discombobulated and a little lost. Um, and I, I looked at Tony, and he had said, did you effing hear what happened in the Beast? I said, no, Tony, I, I just got back. What happened? Tony proceeded to tell me that When the president got in the beast, he was under the impression from Mr. Meadows that the -the off-the-record movement to the Capitol was still possible and likely to happen, but that Bobby had more information. So once the president had gotten into the vehicle with Bobby, he thought that they were going up to the Capitol, and when Bobby had relayed to him, we're not, we don't have the assets to do it, it's not secure, we're going back to the West Wing, the president had very strong, very angry response to that. Um, Tony described him as being irate. The president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president, 
take me up to the Capitol now. To which Bobby responded, sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. Mr. Trump then used his free hand to lunge towards Bobby Engel. And Mr. when Mr. Renato had recounted this story to me, he had motioned towards his clavicles. And was Mr. Engel in the room as Mr. Ornato told you this story? He was. Did Mr. Engel correct or disagree with any part of the story from Mr. Ornato? Mr. Engel did not. So let's just take this at face value. Even though I'm already hearing from people saying it's physically impossible that President Trump could have, could have grabbed the steering wheel. Utterly impossible. If that's true, that's disturbing behavior. It's also in an incredible time of stress. And the president firmly believes to this day the election was stolen. I believe to this day that it is inescapable. And I'll debate it with anybody that the election was rigged. Absolutely rigged. We watched it happen. You only rig a thing you intend to steal. And again, I'll debate that with anyone anywhere. All of us were upset when we watched what they did with mail-in voting um, and Mark Zuckerberg's fraud. And it was fraud. And the illegalities and how these elections were set up. And these last-minute changes and inviting fraud. We all watched that. Now, it doesn't excuse choking a man. Let's just assume that happened. That's flawed human behavior. It really is. King David, at one point, fell in love with a woman. Well, no, that's not true. He fell in lust with a woman. And so he decided to uh, have sex with her and then to have her husband killed, Bathsheba. And it was a great, great sin. Greater than trying to grab a steering wheel or grabbing the neck of of a secret service agent. And flawed human behavior. And if this happened, and it really did happen, then the president should repent. And, and David fully repented. So let's take that at face value. Now, let's compare it to the party. So we're being told now in January 6th that the president knew people were armed. Or they're, they're, what, what Adam Schiff, who is a demonstrable liar, has said is that the people coming to January 6th, that the president knew they were, quote, heavily armed. There was, as I understand it, one guy who was found with a bunch of weapons and stuff in his van. There were no guns recovered on the campus. Adam Schiff claims that the president said, take down the metal detectors. Really? Would this be the same president who'd offered up National Guard? The National Guard? You see, the committee will never ask about, why did McConnell and Pelosi and others, the mayor of D.C., turn down extra security? Why did they do that? Why were the doors open? Why did they invite people in? Why is Ray Epps still out of jail? Why was he steering people towards the Capitol? 
Why is it that Alex Jones, who's being blamed for this, um, is actually on video about a thousand times telling people to get away from the Capitol, to go the other way, do not confront the cops. And I'm not here to, you know, carry things around for Alex Jones. I'm just saying that happened. But let's expand beyond this. Let's, let's, let's expand this further. See, what we're talking about, uh, again, with the president would be flawed human behavior. So let's say he flew off the handle. Just blew up and said, turn the metal detectors off. They're not here for me. Is that really going to happen? Well, not unless you're Mitch McConnell or Nancy Pelosi, because President Trump doesn't make those decisions. No president does. That'd be the sergeant of arms who works for the principals in Congress. So it's a, a blow your top moment. It's a say something stupid moment. The Billy Bush tape, say something stupid. Say something rude that you probably regret or you should regret. Okay, let's just say that all these things are true. All of them are true. Now let's look at the actions of the party that stand in direct opposition to God. And I'm not talking about slip and fall words. All of us have blown our top. All of us. You know, I will not give the details, but there was a time in radio where a guy I work with uh, st stuck his finger in my face because he didn't, I was, I was, I was told to be more argumentative in a situation. I'd said, hey, if I do that, someone's going to blow this show up. Just so you know, someone will blow this show up. If I push back in an argument real hard, I know exactly what's going to happen. This person's going to blow the show up. And program director said, no, 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 that's not going to happen. And if it does, I'll step in. I need you to, to just, you know, go into an argument like I know you can. I, I know you can take this on. I, I, I know you can, can beat this guy in an argument. Do it. Okay, I did it, and this person threw headphones across the room and kicked the chair and put his finger in my face and, and said, F you, and F you, and F you, and, and screaming at me. And I just sat there because, you know, there's three minutes, and then we come back on the air. And he left the studio and tried to slam the door, but the door weighs about 2,000 pounds. It's just, you know, security door and, and a sound buffering door. And we did the show. You know, you compartmentalize. And afterwards, walking out, this person came to me and said, hey, can we talk for a second? I want to, you know, just, I want to clear the air. I said, yeah, we can talk for a second right after I tell you, if you ever put your finger in my face again, and I, I just described, you know, a physical threat. It's not something of which I'm proud. As someone who's in the process of being discipled, I, I, I repent of that, but that's a slip of the tongue. The president Trump blew his top and said, turn off the metal detectors. All right, he should repent. But now let's examine the mechanistic policy by policy, action by action, lie by lie, purposeful, planned, described, well-executed plans of the party. And let's compare those. And let's just determine one big thing. 
Are we going to find the unflawed human leader? Are we? Can we recognize mechanistic evil and fight against that? Is there a difference between flawed human behavior and mechanistic evil that stands in opposition to God? Hey, more great news um, from Allen's Artisan Soaps. We have sold the first of their new scents. It's a big week for those guys. And a lot of this um, comes credits you guys. Pardon me. I did use the cough button, but it was a bit of a pause. Um, this comes courtesy of you guys. So I just got this note from John at Allen Soaps. Our first bar of lilac, lilac applewood was sold in a Herminator sub. One of the new scents just got sold. So I beg you, person who bought that, let me know what you think of that because my wife just came out. We just got our subscription stuff and the new scents are in there for me. So I beg you to tell me how that has gone for you. The other thing is they're now in a retail store, which is just awesome. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that this show and you have been so helpful in making this a reality for Alan Soaps. You know the story, right? If you're new and you don't know the story, I'll make it real quick. This company is swimming against the tide. No, no pun intended. I know they're a soap company. They're, they're swimming against the party. Um, Alan is not, is not the mascot. He's a young kid. He's going to be 13 soon. I'm talking with him tomorrow. And he is deeply impacted by autism and some other mechanical health concerns. He'll be in surgeries, gosh, probably seven or eight surgeries over the next four or five years. And that'll be double the surgeries he's already had, but he doesn't stop working. He doesn't stop creating sense of soaps because, because of the autism, he has a highly, highly developed sense of smell. They have done this with three generations of help in creating the soap, all natural ingredients, all natural, made in America, small batch. And now there's the new sense. So they've offered this, and this is now, I just got this through text. Looks like we'll have 30 seconds of the new Lilac Applewood available only to listeners. We'll do a bar and bag special. The bar is a Sissel pouch for $6.99. Sissel pouches retail for $3.99, so it's like getting the bar for three bucks. The only place you get deals like this that literally just came to me on the text message, no one else can get these is you go to allensoaps.com slash Todd, A-L-A-N-S, soaps.com slash Todd, allensoaps dash Todd. So the thesis is this, that there is not anything the party does together that they push together that does not stand in opposition to God. So let's start with this, the topic of life. Okay, let's, let's just start with, with life. Who created it? From a biblical Christian perspective, we know the answer to that is that God always existed and always will exist. To unfold that a little further, the Lord Jesus always existed and so did the Holy Spirit. The creation of life was something God undertook and only one being did he create in his likeness. That's us. And after looking at Adam, he said, it is not good that you're alone. And he created woman and God invented the family. And from this, we have the rules about how you are to raise your family. You are to teach your kids the word of God by action and by word. You are to teach, treat your children as 
as beings you are stewarding. You don't own your kids. They're not even yours. God worked through you to create the children and we steward them just as we steward the monies that God gives us because we own nothing. It belongs to him. And he graciously gives us these things or loans us these things. So the Lord created the family. And of course, in the first murder was brother on brother crime. And God cursed the killer. And he said the very ground that had the blood, right, from the murder calls out to me. From the very beginning, he, he, he stated to not murder. From the very beginning. Throughout the Bible, the Lord Jesus describes children as sacred, not as gods. A lot of parents make that mistake. I did. Worshiping your kid made that mistake. But he also describes them as beings you are never to get in the way of in terms of being around the Lord. And Jesus didn't come and say, you remember that part of the Old Testament where it said, do not burn your kids alive for Moloch? Do not do child sacrifice. He didn't come along and say, oh yeah, all that stuff, that's okay now. Never said that. So here is, here are two party members, Joe Scarborough and Al Sharpton, who some people still consider to be irreverent. Now, here they are on national TV, albeit the very small network, MSNBC. But not only do they lie about what is in the Bible, they're putting words in the mouth of God and opposing him so very openly. And, and look, I don't get to speak for God. I only have the Bible as a guide. But if you go around lying on this level about what God says... I have to think that God may have a very special meeting with you on Judgment Day. You need to understand the truth about what's in the Bible and what's not in the Bible. It's important because that's been used on the right to justify this. Um, you know, it, it's so fascinating that conservatives, so-called conservatives have long said, oh, abortion, uh, Roe needs to be overturned because abortion is never mentioned in the Constitution. Well, Rev... It's also not mentioned, as you know, better than anybody in the Bible. Okay, so A, Al Sharpton does not know the Bible better than anybody. B, here's some other things that aren't mentioned in the Bible. The Bible. The word does not appear. That's, that's the, the word, the words, the Bible are not in the Bible. What is in the Bible, that's what I just said. Statements about how we are to raise children, how they are, in fact, a gift from the Lord. A gift from the Lord. How we are to not murder. How are we to not put up, put stopping, or, you know, not, not, not to cause the little ones to stumble getting to the Lord. That that's where you're better off getting tossed into an ocean with a 2,000 pound weight around your neck. So it's empty. It's utterly empty. And the argument that he makes about the Constitution, oh, well, it needs to be stopped because the word abortion is not in the Constitution. Yeah, because the people who conjured that interpretation said, it's not in the Constitution, but it's in the penumbra. That, that, that which surrounds the Constitution, the ether around it. Lie upon lie upon lie, and this continues. It's not mentioned 
in the New Testament. It's not mentioned in the Gospels. It's not mentioned by Jesus, not one time, which is why my church, uh, the Southern Baptist Church, uh, was still pro-choice. This has nothing to do with Jesus. Let me say it again. This has nothing to do with Jesus. When the little ones, be it the children, the, the, describing children, were causing a ruckus, you know, being kids, running and playing about and wanting to touch Jesus because he was considered by many at that time to be the Messiah. Many people figured that out. Or the kids just think he's a great rabbi or, hey, that's the guy who does miracles. Maybe he'll conjure a video game for us. Although, you know. So they wanted to come to him and the apostles were saying, no, 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 leave him alone. Leave the rabbi alone. The rabbi's busy. And Jesus said, and this is in two different gospels. Jesus said, whoa, wait a minute. What are you doing? That's not the way he spoke, but I'm paraphrasing. But he said, wait, 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 wait. Hey, let the children come to me. And he said, you want to get into heaven? You need to adopt the attitude of a child. The attitude of amazement at the majesty of God. The excitement about God. You need to adopt that to get into heaven, just so you know. And then in one of the gospel accounts, the, the Lord took the, the kids into his arms. And this is the guy who said, thou shalt not murder. And went further. Made that more stringent. Don't even murder in your mind. Don't commit adultery in your mind. So Joe Scarborough is nakedly lying. And his church, if it's pro-choice, is also nakedly lying. And then, of course, he brings on one of the chief liars in the world, Al Sharpton. This is political, especially for evangelicals. Do Democrats need to aggressively go out there? Real Christians that really study the Bible ought to be incensed. I, I've been a preacher since I was a little boy. I am incensed and insulted. Okay, so were you a preacher when you lied about the gang rape? And you ruined the lives of young men. Were you a preacher then? In the Tawana Brawley case? Were you a preacher when you refused to pay those fines? Are you a preacher when you refuse to pay your taxes to the state of New York while Eric Gardner gets gets you know, he's killed in an interaction with officers for selling Lucy cigarettes. Were you a reverend then? And incidentally, who called you? And who confirmed you? And who continues to confirm you? Because again, reverend, if you'd like to go back to the Bible and look at how people become and remain leaders of churches, it's not acting like this. That they have hijacked the Bible and Jesus to distort and misquote, well, it's not even misquote, create quotes that are not there to justify a right-wing uh, kind of ideology that would take away the rights of women and then schedule better than Trump and we got to stop this. Oh, no, 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 you've got to be out there or we should vote. Well, look at what you got. What did you think would happen? You gave Trump three seats on the Supreme Court. You helped do this as much as that's distorted Christian language. And we need to aggressively take both of you on and say, step to the side and let folks that are clear sighted and clear minded save this country. So that is two guys on national TV telling their victims 
that the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of life, doesn't care if a baby's killed in the womb. Hmm. Um, further, it is a guy who still carries around the title of reverend doing that. Hmm. On life. And you know that I had a talk with a dear family member who differs with me on abortion and she does not believe that once a baby is born, you can starve the baby of water and food and not be a murderer. And she does not believe in abortion at any time in gestation. Now, she and I disagree on abortion, clearly. But this is where the party has moved. Now, again, there are areas in which Republicans and Democrats disagree. Mitch McConnell disagrees on this. Why? I don't know. I want to believe that Mitch believes in the sanctity of life. That's what I would like to believe. But I also know that Mitch understands wedge issues because Mitch is, because I've been around Mitch and I'm ashamed to say that a company I sold, we worked on one of his campaigns, McConnell's campaigns. So I've been in rooms with the strategists and they understand wedge issues and they know that abortion is one of the biggest wedge issues in the country. So where has this moved? Well, they'll take a woman who still to this day says she's the governor of Georgia. She's not the governor of Georgia, but remember when it was wrong to say that elections were stolen? They'll take a woman who says she's the president or the, the, the governor of Georgia and have her on to talk about, should there be any limits on when you can take the life of a baby? talk about that in a second things the party does every all of them are in opposition to god it goes far beyond just abortion by the way my friend uh, dave parkhurst uh you hear us talk about him as as dave the digital and for good reason for a couple of decades dave has run a company called greenhaven interactive and he keeps it small on purpose Smallish. I mean, it's not tiny, but it's smallish. He likes to know all of his employees. He likes to know every single person with whom they do business. Dave is the, <laughs> he's the rarest of creatures, man. He is a Christian conservative who has been very successful in tech. Strange, strange animal. Uh, he calls it Greenhaven Interactive because he's also, by the way, a farmer. Love that about Dave. This is another no-brainer. Absolutely. If you're new to the show, you've not heard this before. If you've not heard this, uh, this, this description of this partner before, here's a no brainer. Do you need them? Well, one of the things they do is search engine optimization. So just go to good old Google, the Google machine, just open it up. Just search for the name of your business. Got it. Are you in the top five search returns? You are solid. You don't need them. You don't need Greenhaven right now. Keep tabs on it. If you're not in the top Five search returns. Here's a couple of choices. You could pay an atheist leftist firm to try to get you there, or you could pay Google for ads. And those ads will cost more and more and more every time that you renew. Or you could go to greenhaveninteractive.com. Tell Dave, your listener to the podcast, he will put a team on this and they'll do what's called search engine optimization to fix the results so that you come up much better than you are now. Do the same thing with Google Maps. And by the way, when you're doing Google Maps, see if they've got the times your business is open correct. See what sort of comments they're featuring on Google Maps. Reviews. These are all things that Dave can help you with. 
It's greenhaveninteractive.com. That's greenhaveninteractive.com. So here's a woman who, to this day, is doing what we're not to do, which is saying that she's actually the governor of Georgia because she never conceded because the election was stolen, even though it was the safest, most secure election. Oh, wait, that's right. That was the other one. Stacey Abrams. Do you support any limitation on abortion or does it do you think that women should have the right to have an abortion all the way up to nine months? I believe an abortion is a medical decision, and I believe that that should be a choice made between a doctor and a woman and in consultation with her family. But I think the challenge that we have is that we keep putting this in a political space. This is a medical decision, and the medical choices that should be made should be governed by what is best for that woman and what is best at the suggestion of and advice of their doctor. Why I'm laughing is she just about said what's best for the child. You could hear it, can't you? She just about said what's best for the woman, what's best for the child. Because as she's sitting there, she knows she is not telling the truth. How do I know? Because she was a proponent of forced injections, which is also a medical decision. And she removes from this the third person, the baby. They always have to. They have to do that. So on issue as an issue as big as life about beings made in God's image, they stand in opposition. But it's not just abortion and it's not just the leftist portion of the party. It is the whole party. It is. Let me first get to this because it is the full piece of Hillary Clinton calling a black man an angry grievance monger. And there's a time when that was really racist language. And it's quite rich to have, what difference at this point does it make? I mean, I'm just living proof that you can win the election and win every state and every electoral count and still have the election stolen from you by Vladimir Putin and this puppet of his, Donald John Trump. It's it's quite rich to hear her call other people angry grievance mongers, but there's more to it than that. Justice Thomas has sort of floated that out there about contraceptive rights, yes. contraception, and about same-sex marriages. But other justices have pushed back to say, no, he's really sort of on his own with that. Well, don't he, believe that. Well, he may be on his own, but he's signaling, as he often did. You know, people. I went to law school with him. Mm-hmm. He's been a person of grievance for as long as I've known him. Resentment, grievance, anger. And he has signaled uh, in the past to lower courts, to state legislatures, to find cases, pass laws, get them up. I may not win the first, the second, or the third time, but we're going to keep at it. So you're saying people pay attention to Yes, this. the people he is speaking to, which is the, you know, right-wing, very conservative judges and justices and state legislatures. And the thing that uh, is, well, there's so many things about it that are deeply distressing, but women are going to die, Gail. Women will die. Well, and so will babies. And so if we were to do a, a, a cold cost-benefit analysis, 60 million babies have been killed. And look, I have, a, I, I have a relative who had a tubal ligation. Okay, so she had a tubal pregnancy. 
Uh, the baby was not in the womb, it was in, it was in, her, um, in the tubes. And she was told, hey, if, the, if this goes into a larger fetus, it will explode and you could die. It's, that does happen, and it's insanely rare. So the known effect of abortion is the ending of life. The possible effect of that not of, of abortion being limited or even banned is it may take some lives. But again, these are the same people of if it saves one life, it's worth forcing everybody to take a useless, medically useless experimental mRNA injection, which conveniently enough, according to the study out of Japan, uh, writes itself into your DNA, which is exactly what the party wants. And it is rich to hear Hillary calling a black man an angry grievance monger. But that's, that's, that's life on the family. So God created life, then he created the family. It's not right that man is alone. It's actually what he said. It's not good that man is alone. So he creates Adam and Eve. Well, we created Adam, he created Eve. They then, Adam knew Eve. I love the Bible language. Adam knew his wife. And they created Cain and Abel, who went amok, just as Adam and Eve did. Greatest father in the world, God himself. And they screwed it up. Human nature. But God created the family and the family was sacred. Why do we know this? Because God put great effort towards teaching Moses how to teach the Hebrew people how to raise kids. That is to make the commandments dear to you. That is to practice them. That is to teach them and speak about them and instruct them. And remind your kids, hey, what's that thing on our door, dad? What is this? Oh, that's to remind us that the Lord, our God, took us out of Egypt where we were but mere slaves, selected us, brought us out of Egypt, performed all these incredible miracles right in front of our faces and simply asked us to follow him. We remind ourselves of that. Or you're on a trip through the deserts and you come upon, hey, what's that? What's that monument? Oh, okay. That's where the second time the Lord stopped a river for us so we could cross. And here's how this happened. And this is all you know, written down for us to study. And then how you, how you interact that, wow, I saw these people over here. They don't eat kids and, and they, don't, they don't have their kids walk through fire. And, and they don't perform human sacrifices. That seems like a better place to live than over here. Yeah, well, those people follow someone called the Lord. These people over here call, follow someone, call, or call, follow the Baals and, and the other so-called gods. Well, I like that place better. That looks like a better place. It does. And they also have kindness as part of what they do. That's part of, the, that's part of how they're structured. Do they beat their kids? No, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll use the rod, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. But no, they don't go around beating them. And they don't eat them and they don't burn them at the stake. So they set up this difference. And taught about teaching the kids. Here's how you teach the kids. You, the family, teach the kids. In this country, our founders said, you know what? We need to have a lot of education. So we want to provide public education. At some point or another, the precursors to the party come along and said, we need to make government school compulsory. We need to force kids to leave their home and go into government schools. And that's where you got the first educational bureaucrats going, sweet, now they have to come here. Let's have them turn into worker bees instead of thinkers. That's how people stopped having the curriculum that is one of the most robust curriculums in the world, classic education in homeschooling sense. And they started to be created to be, hey, let's make sure that they're super useful in factories, the first educational bureaucrats. 
Now it's not, let's make them useful in factories. Now let's make them useless. Let's make them angry, racist, drug addicted little sex bots so that they're useless and needy so they'll be useful in the glorious revolution. So God had said, you teach your kids, you teach them right from wrong, you teach them the right way. And even if they go astray, they'll come back and follow. Teach them my ways. And the Lord Jesus modeled that for the disciples. Three years, here's how I, here's to, in a modern parlance, here's how I adult. Okay, here's how I adult. Watch me adult. This is how I do it. But Terry McAuliffe, seeking control of other people's kids when he was running again for governor of Virginia, Terry McAuliffe came flat out and said, no, you don't get to have any say in how your kids are taught. I believe parents should be in charge of their kids' education. Mr. McAuliffe, 30 seconds. So first of all, this shows how clueless Glenn Youngkin is. He doesn't understand what the laws were because he's never been involved here in helping Virginia. But it was not. The parents had to write to veto bills, veto books, Glenn, not to be knowledge about it, also take them off the shelves. And I'm not going to let parents come into schools and actually take books out and make their own decisions. You vetoed it. So, yeah, I stopped the bill that I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. I don't think parents parents should be telling the schools what to teach. I don't think the taxpayers should be telling their employees what to do. I think we should tell them. Separating children from their adult stewards, their parents, the family. The party seeks to destroy the family. The reason that I'm saying that this crosses party lines is, and this is factual, this this isn't guessing. The Republicans had no intention of getting into this battle. They were drug into it by families who saw what was being done to their children. That's why they got into it. They're still handing out money. As we talked about the other day on the program, they're still, Heidi Harris and I were discussing this, Mitch McConnell still wants to hand hundreds of billions of dollars or billions and billions of dollars to the corrupt educrats. They're still funding entities destroying the family. So we've gone from life to the family. The party stands in opposition to this. But it gets a far more interesting to me when we talk about plentitude. So when the Lord God created the Garden of Eden, we had all sorts of cool things to eat. We didn't have to toil. We didn't have to sweat or work. We hung out with God. And the sin problem came into play. The original politician, Satan, came in, created this great lie. Surely you won't die. Come on. God wouldn't do that. And we lost that. And still... God brought food. And still, when he kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden, what did he do for them? He clothed them. Yeah, I'm kicking out, but you're going to need to stay warm. 
put this on your body. You, you know, it's like with our, with our kids. Hey, come on, wear a coat. I'm running away. I'm never coming back. Take a coat. Right? So it's on this topic that it gets even more obvious. We're watching Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, and the Chinese Communist Party, all of whom mean us well, buy up as much farmland as they can find. We're watching Bill Gates do the same exact dance on behalf of fake meat, which is now being, the fake meat is being sued because shockingly, they've lied about how much protein is in their fake meat. There's not as much as they said. I know that's a stunner since it's not actual, it's not, it's, it's, it, these are carbohydrates and fats. They've lied about the quality of the protein. Shocker, I know. They pretend that this is much more healthy and, and far less, you know, of a, of a refined food than, than uh, or processed food than is meat, which is nuts. What's in meat? Meat. So Gates is doing the same trick. Hey, if we don't do this, the planet's going to burn down. All the kids are going to die if you don't eat my plastic meat. All, of, all the kids are going to die. He's come out and said, yeah, we need regulation. We're, in developed countries, we're going to have to use regulation to force people to eat fake meat. That's his take. Monsanto is a level up of evil. Monsanto is taking over staple foods by virtue of genetic manipulation. Hey, that sounds familiar. Genetic manipulation of life? That's right, Jimmy. Genetic manipulation of life. So you have the old school thing like in Northern Ireland to meet the so-called climate goals. They're going to have to, quote, lose more than 1 million sheep and cattle to meet the new legally binding climate emissions targets. And by lose, of course, they don't mean eat. They mean destroy. Not ship to other countries where people need it. They mean destroy. Well, what will, what, what, whatever will come in its place? Oh, fake meat. Huh. Create a shortage fill the shortage, create a crisis, limit all other options. No, no. Hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin. No, 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 no. Stuff. That's horse paste. That's, 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 uh, that, that, that'll kill you. That's for horses. Only things, the MRNA, that's it. The only thing or remsevere. That's it. Nope. Nothing else. Well, wait a minute. Factually speaking, when you have cattle, free range cattle on, on your, on your land, it actually is not just carbon neutral. It's carbon. It, it reduces carbon. Shh, 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 don't say that. One direction. So that's Northern Ireland. Then there's Monsanto. This is a great story that never has never been told enough. It's about a guy named Percy Schmeiser. He was a Canadian farmer and he did not buckle when the greatest, one of the most evil corporations in the world, Monsanto, tried to destroy him. No one should control nature. No one should control life. No one should have that right to put patents on nature and life. As long as my wife and I have life within us, we will always go down to fight for the rights of farmers, always to be able to use their seed from year to year. No one should take that right away from anyone. Percy Schmeiser operates a 650-hectare farm which his grandparents, immigrants from Bavaria and Austria, cultivated 100 years ago. 
1996, Monsanto introduced its genetically modified canola to Canada. A heavy storm during harvest time blew it onto Percy Schmeisser's fields. In August 1998, he was sued for illegally cultivating patented seeds from Monsanto. Two courts sentenced him to pay damages to Monsanto of roughly $100,000, but refusing to be intimidated by the chemical giant, he took the case as far as the Canadian Supreme Court. Farmers here are very fierce, independent people because they had to be. They left their homeland 175 years ago to come to a new country. They had to work together. My grandparents and my parents had to work together with our neighbors. And they did work together and they fought back. And Percy won in the, uh, the Canadian Supreme Court. He didn't have to pay. And by the way, this was uh, almost 20 years ago. He didn't have to pay $200,000 to Monsanto because they found their genetically modified seed in his land. How? They overflew it with drones and planes. Oh, by the way, what's so bad about the seed? It doesn't regenerate. What else is Monsanto doing? They're going around the world and buying up as many heritage seed providers as they can provide. What's a heritage seed? It's seeds that reproduce. So every year you have a crop of food. Monsanto does not want people to have crops of food. What does the Lord want? Crops and food. And they've done the same thing with fish. Yeah, but that's just, those are just plants and animals. Um, how many times will I continue to point out what the mRNA injection is doing to people's ability to reproduce, to keep babies, to not have stillbirths? How many more times do we need to state that the pattern is right there? And sometimes the pattern is hidden in a greater or seemingly a greater evil. The transgender ideology and the transgender lie is separating families, right, at the level of emotion. It's causing kids to hate their parents because, oh, your, your, your parents hate you for just existing. They, 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 will, they, they refuse to recognize that, that you're actually not a girl. They've known you your whole life, but yeah, they don't know. They, it's just, they're stupid. They're bitter clingers. It's that, you know what, they're, 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 they're fooled by that fake God. That's why they won't give you the cross-sex or wrong-sex hormones in surgery. See, that's a great evil. It's a great lie. And it hides an even greater lie. What did God tell us when he created humanity in his image? And then the family. What did he say to do? Men and women, man and wife. Be fruitful and multiply. This is the words of a very brave young woman named Chloe Cole. She's 17. You will hear that her voice is smoky and dark. That's courtesy of Big Pharma. This is her testimony. Of course, she was given all of two minutes to provide her testimony in California, where once again, they're attempting to ban therapy. It's SB 107 in California would make it illegal to provide therapy to kids who become gender defiant or who've been caused in, been conned into becoming gender confused. It would be illegal to ask questions like, hmm, what does it mean to be a boy? 
that would be an illegal question because that's cruel. That's conversion therapy. Listen here to a very brave uh, young woman testifying. It's Chloe Cole, and I am a 17-year-old detransitioner from the Central Valley. I was medically transitioned from ages 13 to 16. My parents took me to a therapist who affirmed my male identity, and the therapist did not care about causality or encouraged me to learn to be comfortable with my body. He brushed off my parents' concerns about the efficacy of hormones, puberty blockers, and surgeries. My parents were given the threat of suicide as a reason to move me forward in my transition. My endocrinologist, after two to three appointments, put me on puberty blockers and injectable testosterone. At age 15, I asked to remove my breasts. My therapist continued to affirm my transition. I attended a top surgery class that was filled with around 12 girls that thought were, they were men. Most were my age or younger. None of us were going to be men. We were fleeing from the uncomfortable feeling of becoming women. I was unknowingly physically cutting off my true self from my body irreversibly and painfully. Our trans identities were not questioned. I went through with surgery. Despite having therapists and attending the top surgery class, I really didn't understand all the ramifications of any of the medical decisions I was making. I wasn't capable of understanding and it was downplayed consistently. My parents, on the other hand, were pressured to continue my so-called gender journey with a suicide threat. I will never be able to breastfeed a child. I have blood clots in my urine. I am unable to fully empty my bladder. I do not yet know if I am capable of carrying a child to full term. In fact, even the doctors who put me on puberty blockers and testosterone do not know. SB 107 is circumventing state's laws that have needed safeguards in place so my story is not repeated. Children cannot consent. Vote no on SB 107. So we're back where we began. That, that uncomfortable statement that Cassidy Hutchison made about President Trump. When I returned to the White House, I walked upstairs towards the chief of staff's office and I noticed Mr. Ornato lingering outside of the office. She goes on to say that they told her that President Trump lost it and grabbed the neck of a Secret Service agent and attempted to take over the steering wheel of what should never be called the beast, but is the limo that carries the president, the beast. So we're back where we began. And that was a question. So a flawed human being making flawed decisions, if we're to assume that's completely true, versus mechanistic opposition to God on an industrial level. So God's given us a choice to reveal this. We can take all the political action we want. This will end. One way or the other, there's victory. We stand in victory. But this will end when people stop outsourcing the teaching of God's word to their children and grandchildren. And when we start living as discipled Christians every day, flawed people, but when our kids see us day in and day out making the effort acting as though we believe that eternity is at stake, theirs and ours. We can end this. It will not come from DC. It will, gosh, no, will not come from the UN. But those are the stakes. Oh, it's real easy to hate these people. And the devil loves that because God loves Hillary Clinton and Chucky Schumer and Liz Cheney just as much as he loves us. Hardest thing in the world is to pray for your enemy. 
At least it's the hardest thing for me. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please do go be well, be strong, be kind. And let's go back to trying to share God's word or even his name, one of his many names with people this week. And God be with you.